Hello, friends, and however you're listening to this episode of On Grace, we're very glad you are here. A special treat today, as I sit across the desk, I feel like I am in a time travel movie where... I knew it was coming. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Young Wendell, Mr. Caleb Kirshner, is sitting across the desk from old Wendell, or current Wendell. be kinder to say past Wendell. The real thing. And, <laughs> and future Wendell. It is like... Future Wendell has come this to the present. This is what I'm going to become. What what you see now is yes, yes. And you are and you are giving Caleb a warning, uh, to or a carrot or a carrot, um, to sell the to get rid of the almanac, which tells all of the sports results for the next twenty years. Caleb, this is from Back to the Future. Yeah, I've never seen Back to the Future. Caleb. <laughs> Caleb Kirshner, we, we we were excited to welcome, but now that he has confessed that he has never seen Back to the Future, um, I'm a little I'm a little concerned. Yeah, you'll have to. Should he be love concerned? Me through it. No, it's okay. Okay, I think we'll make it. Back to the Future is the greatest trilogy ever made, bar none. And that you haven't seen it concerns me. Well, maybe I'll have to do that. It's I have homework. I have failed you as a pastor. <laughs> Nevertheless, the DeLorean—that's the car they I drove. do. I do know that. Yeah, the DeLorean. And I do remember that. What's his name? Michael. What's his name? Did a. He did a shoot. What's that guy's name? Michael J. Fox. Yeah. How do you, Michael? How dare you disrespect him? <laughs> well, I, there's so many foxes. I didn't know which which fox he was. Red tail. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gray fox. I didn't know. Uh, he did. Uh, shoot, who's the old guitar player that played Johnny B. Good? Anyway, remember when he got up on stage and yes, got the guitar at the Under the Sea dance? Yeah, and then the Enchantment he, Under then, the Sea dance. Then he ripped out some Van Halen, and everybody was like, "I thought that part was yeah. cool." And he said, "Your kids are gonna love it." Yeah, I, that was my favorite part of the whole three movies. Just about my favorite part of the whole three movies was the whole three movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was cool about that trilogy is you were genuinely anxious for the next one. When one of them stopped, you knew the other one was coming. It was like, this is going to be good. Yes. It was good. Just like this podcast is going to be good. Caleb, welcome. Hello. I'm Caleb Kirshner here today. Caleb is a sophomore at Western Kentucky University where he is majoring in... Uh, Special education and elementary education. Yes. And is a very gifted leader and former student, former intern, current intern. Yes. And all around great guy. I try to be. Broken I would, jump I shot, would vote though. for that. <laughs> I'd vote for all around good guy. Absolutely. I appreciate it. His jump shot needs some work. No, it, it does not. <laughs> when you're as tall as him, you don't need to have a jump shot. Well, I do. <laughs> well, good. I have one. Good. All right, so today we're going to talk about um, wheelbarrows. Um, start with Solomon in the Old Testament. Um, it's, as far as I can remember, um, his is the only story where God like, shoved across the table, shoved across a blank check and said, you fill it in. I'll give you whatever you want. Fill it in. What do you want? And, of course, Solomon opted for wisdom, which was really sharp. Because a lot of other stuff came with that. So this happened when he was young. 
And so as his life went along, of course, it didn't hurt to be the king's son and, and the king, but as his life went along, he amassed women and wealth and power and prestige and built buildings and built armies and had um, neighboring kings and queens come and pay tribute. He had all that stuff. And he was riding high and, and just kept investing in his empire. In other words, he kept filling up his wheelbarrow. I got this, I got this, I got this. And what's interesting is when he got in his latter years, he turned around and he looked at his wheelbarrow and he said, this is nothing. This is vanity. And it was, it was almost like he was embarrassed of a life spent filling up his wheelbarrow. And so at the end, it was he, he just... He almost looked on it with disdain. And and there's another place in Scripture that makes me think of this, too, is is uh, Jesus with his disciples. Of course, it wasn't a lifetime. It was a, a three-year stint with his posse. But he gave them power to do things that normal people can't do. They cast out demons. They uh, One of them walked on water. Even I don't care if it's two feet. That's still... You know, it's more than you can yeah. do. <laughs> you know, I've skied before, and that was hard enough. Have you? Yeah, it was fun. Lake Ontario, twelve years old. It was it was fun. Um, but, but so they they experienced what it was like to hang out with the Son of God, and 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 they had the bread and the fish multiply in their hands. I mean, I have no clue what that would have felt like. And he gets them down to the end. So in other words, they were filling up their wheelbarrow. Look what I can do. Look, look, hanging with this guy. Look what I've learned. Look what I know. Look who I know. Look what I've shared in. And even two by two, we cast out demons and, and we're well received in various towns and whatever. So their portfolio was growing. Their wheelbarrow was getting full. And they get to the end and, and literally at the, at the very last supper they ate together, Jesus sits at the table. He just calls them out. He goes around the circle and he calls them out and says, betrayer, denier, you will scatter. You will, you know, we've talked about this maybe even last week. But it's like there's these two, there's this, I'm filling my wheelbarrow, and then there's this, ah, what's in the wheelbarrow doesn't count. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And so it's it's kind of Richard Rohr talks about this some. And um I looked it up just last night just to make sure. I think it's in chapter two of John's first epistle, where he addresses he separates the generations he talks about young men and old men and and their approach to the kingdom and the young men it's kind of like your fighters your conquerors you're making something of yourself you're filling your wheelbarrow and old men he said you know god so he's making this differentiation um i don't know if he's thinking the same thing i'm thinking of but i thought what we could talk about today maybe would be these two approaches to life, we're either filling the wheelbarrow or we're emptying it out. We're either living life to build our empire. It's all about me. It's all, it, it's even in the kingdom. You know, I'm going to save souls. I'm going to, you know, do all these, but it's still, I'm going to. This, this is stuff I'm putting, it's going to look good in my portfolio. And then there comes a certain time when you realize that just doesn't count. And if Wayne was here, he'd say this. He'd say, we're actually part of something far bigger than this. It's not about me. It's about what God is doing. And at that point, you begin to look in the wheelbarrow and say, well, maybe I could get rid of that and I get rid of that. That doesn't count. And maybe even ultimately tip the thing over and empty it out. 
but it it's uh, I just thought it'd be it'd be good for us maybe to discuss these two different approaches to not just life but doing kingdom work, doing ministry, whatever you want to call it, um, relationships with other people, because um, I think it affects a lot of stuff. Wendell, you mentioned before how you've done it both ways. Yes. Yeah, I spent. I spent. Uh, uh, that's how Wayne and I actually got together. Wayne's sick right now. It's the reason he's not here. He's not feeling well at all. But um, we both, in a sense, tried to build our own little empires as pastors, and and it seemed so legit because it was for God. I mean, you know, I mean, it seems so legit. But it's um, it's budgets, programs, uh, people in the pews. Tenure in a church. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that that you're kind of shooting for. You want really good kids. You want the ideal home life. Um, you want to keep your lawn mowed real nice. You just just silly, silly stuff. And when we met about ten or fifteen years ago, we looked at each other and we said, "How's that working for you?" And we mutually like, honest, it's not, you know. And then it was like, okay, so what's the alternative? There's got to be, if this isn't it, what's the alternative? And it's, well, maybe maybe we're part of something bigger. Maybe this has nothing to do with us, that we're actually part of something far bigger. And that's when we started to, uh, well, Wayne, Wayne's saying was, God is at work in everybody all the time. So what you do is when you're with another person, you look for what God is doing, and then you participate in that. And I'm not near as wise as him, so I just dumbed it down and said, "How about we just love the person in front of us?" I mean, that's that's the way I said it. But that's it makes it about something bigger. It's not about me. If I'm loving you, my ego is not invested in that. It's not about what do I get out of this. It's it's where are you at? Tell me your story. You know, how can I enhance and empower and encourage you? It you know so. And and for me, I can do this because I don't have to. I don't have to grade myself when I put my head on the pillow at night. How did I do today? It's like how did God do today? And wasn't it fun to participate in that? You know, it's it's, it's different. I think what you're saying is like it makes me think of the analogy like the a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. Like when you're in that uh, the yeah. phase of filling your wheelbarrow up, you're more focused on like the numbers and all the programming and all that. But in reality, that not that that doesn't matter, but it shouldn't be your focus. And if you fall into the trap as like this, this reflects me as a person or me as a, yeah. a Christian, then that is a, not a good mindset to be in. And uh, like, it, I always come back to reminding myself like, okay, I'm doing this because God wants me to do this. Yeah. Not because it will make me look better or it, it'll make me feel better about myself. That sort of thing. Yeah. If at your age, to have that in your mind and heart is like an enormous leap. You know, I mean, it's, it's just I would I would have surrendered my left arm to know that at your age, because I it was all about me. Yeah, and it, I mean, there you just look around. There are just a lot of people who are doing really good things for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then it begs the question: Like, are they are they actually good things? 
or like I feel like something like that is much easier to derail or get off track than something that like that you know that this is for God as opposed to for an individual. Yeah. There's some pretty quick indicators if somebody's ego's invested. <laughs> you could just tell them no. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you know if it's your own ego? Like how do you know that you are uh living in assisting rather than accumulation? I like those two. Yeah. See you said it better. You dog no, every time. Totally every time JB comes up with, with the these same words. letter too. <laughs> well, yeah, of course they have to do that. Yeah, so it's assisting versus accumulating. That's excellent. Yeah. Um in my indicator is that if you push back against me, if I get angry, yeah, it's about me. If you push back against me and I don't get angry, it's I'm thinking, okay, um, this is where God's got this person right now, and obviously they're not lined up with what you know what's going on right now. So that that's fine, you know. I don't have a dog in this race. I just I'm just loving on them. Um, Kind of one of the things I say to my wife all the time, because because we both struggle with this, is you love you love people as much as they'll let you. If if they don't want to let you love them, then it's it's okay, it's 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 all right, because it's not about me. So that's my indicator. Yeah, I think uh, another big one is like how they take feedback, or like constructive feedback, even like so if someone is doing something that that is is about them and not about God then they want it their way more than mm-hmm. the best way, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like anybody who is doing it truly for God, I think would be open to feedback and open to making whatever they're doing the best it can be, as opposed to like an isolated mindset where like, no, nah, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. So we're doing it this way. That's interesting you say that because I was a lone wolf my whole ministry. I did. It, it was and most some of it was just necessitated by being the only paid person on staff. I had no, no buddy around me to have input. Um, but I liked it that way because I I could plan it and micromanage it to make it work out my way. But now the last 10 or 15 years of ministry here, um, it's, it's not that I tolerate input. It's, I, I actually really look for it. And now there's a lot of times when I say, I don't know that I even want to take a step without seeking some counsel here. And I'm the old guy on staff. Yeah. And yet I think, no, I no, I don't want to try this on my own. Mm-hmm. I, it comes back to the whole like iron sharpens iron thing. Like, one, like two minds is almost always better than one, especially uh, in a ministry setting. Because uh, there's always going to be stuff that you didn't think of. Or there's always going to be someone who knows more about that specific thing than you ever will. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you and I are going to go help some special needs kids, kids with special needs. Yeah. We are going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we find a measure of success in that. Yeah. And somebody says, well, who thought that up? And it's like, we did. There's no ego. Yeah. There's no, yeah. nobody struts. Nobody owns it as yeah. it's like, no, we, nobody's we just the did. poster child or whatever. No, Yeah. no, we did. And if there was four or five people working with us, it's just it just gets to be a bigger we. Yeah. But it's, there's no ego in, invested. Yeah, I think that's good. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of On Grace. My name is Jason Brown. I've been hanging out with Wendell Van Valen and Caleb Kirshner. Wendell and I work together at Broadway United Methodist Church, where Caleb is an intern. Caleb is also a student at Western Kentucky University.